Today on Awaken to Grace, we are in part two of a very special sermon that I am calling Soul Trust, How to Suffer Well. Friends, we are in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. We are talking about, let those who suffer according to God's will, Peter writes, entrust their soul to a faithful creator. Friends, we're going to learn so much today about suffering and how to do it well, how to do it to the glory of God. You know, if you follow me and Awaken to Grace, you know that I suddenly went blind in 2018. Blindness slammed into my life literally out of nowhere. And I know what I'm talking about when it comes to suffering. Friends, when I preach, like the sermon you're going to hear today, when I preach out of the Word of God on suffering, it's not a head knowledge. It's not a theology. It is what I'm walking through. That's why I preach with such passion for the glory of God. I hope that today speaks right into your life. You know, if you really enjoy my teachings and my sermons, then I know you would enjoy my books as well. And I would love for you to go to my website, awakenedtograce.com. I'd love for you to check out my books, but especially the book, He's in the Waiting. And right now, if you're in a season of suffering, if you're walking through a season where God is teaching you patience, he's teaching you to wait, well, I know that you would love that book, He's in the Waiting. Pick it up today. You can go to Amazon and get it there, or you can get it from awakenedtograce.com. Well, let's continue on with our thoughts out of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19 in this special sermon called Soul Trust, How to Suffer Well. Are your minds prepared for battle? Have you armed yourself with this same way of thinking or do you go through a season of suffering and the first thing that happens is you quit praying? The first thing that happens is you get hurt at God. The first thing that happens is your bottom lip sticks out and you go, God, what did I do to deserve this? Why me, oh God? That's the wrong question, my friend. No, God wants to turn you into a hardened soldier. Amen. God wants to turn you into a prayer warrior. God wants you someone that can march into battle clad in the armor of God, standing in the strength of the Lord. And he wants you to wreak havoc on the kingdom of darkness. Can we say amen today? I want to be that type of believer. I don't want to be a believer that is always hurt at God always questioning God, always offended at God, always having a victim mentality with God. No, I want to mature beyond that. I want to be able to walk through seasons of suffering, understanding what the will of the Lord is. 
I want to walk through seasons of suffering with the confidence God will never leave me nor forsake me. I want to walk through them with confidence that all things are under his feet. I want to walk through with the confidence that God is for me. Therefore, who can be against me? I want to walk with the confidence that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And if that is the case, then I can face anything that life brings because I'm centered in the will of God. Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with this same way of thinking. For those who suffer in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, let me ask you a question. I was raised in church. And I'm sure there's been in the past, but I can't recall any times. I can't recall one single sermon that I have ever heard on that phrase. Those who suffer in the flesh cease from sin. Have you ever heard a sermon on that? It's not very popular, is it? But it's the word of God. When you walk through seasons of suffering, do you know what it does? It changes your perspective. It draws you closer to the things of God if you're suffering in God's will and if you're suffering well to the glory of God. It brings you closer to the things of God rather than the things of the world, rather than the things of the flesh. This is why, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to despise when God takes you through suffering. It doesn't come into our life by coincidence. It doesn't come haphazard. It comes with great purpose and with great design. And one of the purposes and one of the designs of suffering is to cause us to cease from sinning. So do you know what I gained from this verse? There are many times that I have questioned blindness. Perhaps the hardest time that I've encountered yet with blindness is as my kids begin to play sports. It is the hardest to go to their games and not be able to see them. That's when I feel it the deepest. Times that I feel it so deeply, that's when the Lord will ask me, Do you love my glory more? Do you love my glory more than your eyes? Do you love my glory more than your comforts? Do you love my glory more than your pleasures? Brothers and sisters, do you love God's glory? That if it so glorifies God to walk you in a season of fire. Do you love his glory more than you love your comfort? 
that will cause you to sin less. Does it make you perfect? Absolutely not. You know, we often say Christians are not sinless, but we should be sinning less and less and less as we conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Sin ought to have less of a grip of us, right? Charles Spurgeon said it so well. He said, while sin dwells in everyone, it only dominates in unbelievers. Sin should never reign. It should never dominate in our lives. And the scriptures teach, since Christ, therefore, suffered in the flesh, he is our example. 1 Peter 2, 21, 24. He is our example. Since he suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves in the same way of thinking. Why? Because those who suffer in the flesh cease from sinning. Now look at verse 2. This is quite fascinating. So the time that you have remaining, you live in the time that you have remaining, not for the pleasures and the passions of this world or the flesh, but for the will of what? Of God. Oh, how special that that is. Not that you would live for the passions of the flesh, but for the will of God. Do you see the very clear contrast? Those who walk according to the Spirit will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Those who walk in the lust of the flesh will not fulfill the desires of the Spirit. That's what Galatians teaches. So what is it telling us, brothers and sisters? You want to walk away from the world? You want to sin less in your life? Then don't despise seasons of suffering. They come for great purpose. It centers you in the very will of God. So if God chooses to take something out of my life, can I submit to that? If God chooses for me to suffer because of the actions of another person, can I submit myself to that? If God says this is ultimately good for me because it builds endurance into me, it builds hardship into me, it hardens me as a good soldier in the army of the Lord, am I willing to say, okay, God, I will submit to that? Now, again, I don't submit to what Satan wants to do. I resist that. See, here's how you know the difference. When God brings something into your life, it's to cause you to grow. When Satan brings something in your life, it's to cause you to quit and to fall. Did you get that? Oh, don't worry. I'll say it again. When God brings something into your life that's hard and difficult and it's a trial, be assured it's for your good and it's to cause you to grow. When Satan brings something into your life, it is to cause you to fall. It is to cause you to quit. That's how you know the difference between what God's doing and what Satan's doing. You know what one of the first lessons God taught me when I went blind? God taught me how to look for the fingerprints of God and Satan. God taught me how to recognize the fingerprints, whether this is a work of God or whether this is a work of the enemy. And let me tell you, what's the work of the enemy? I reject and I resist and I rebuke with all my might. And what is the work of God? 
I submit and I rejoice in. First Peter chapter two, if you want to look at that with me, verse 19. Let me show you a couple of things out of this. Then I'll go back to my text. Peter teaches that when we go through times of suffering, I love this phrase that he uses. We need to be mindful of God. Now, what does that mean? Mindful of God. Paul said it like this. If you want to note Romans 8, 17 and 18. Romans 8, 17 teaches that if because we are children of God, how many of you are children of God? Say amen. amen. So it, it teaches that if we're children of God, which we are, then what does that mean? It means we are heirs of God. It means everything God owns, I own. That means I've got an inheritance waiting for me in heaven that is undefiled and reserved in heaven by the power of God, 1 Peter 1. I am a child of God, therefore I am an heir of God. I am a fellow heir of Christ Jesus, the scriptures say. Matter of fact, just go there, Romans 8, 17. This will be good for you. Now say amen if you're with me right now. Amen. You getting anything out of this today? <clears throat> now I don't want you to miss this. So if I'm an heir of God, because I'm a child of God, and I'm a fellow heir of Christ, watch what Paul says here. Now, before we read it, understand what we're saying. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. So let's arm ourselves with this. Verse 17, because we're children of God, we're heirs of God, we're fellow heirs of Christ, provided, oh, you ought to circle that word, provided we suffer with him that we may also be glorified with him. Oh, can you see that today? Provided that we suffer. So listen, when you get angry at God, when you get mad at God, when you stub up with God, when you get offended by God, when you get hurt at God, guess what? You're not suffering with him according to the will of God. You're not going to reign with Christ as he intends for you to do. You're going to lose part of your inheritance. You're going to lose part of that joy that will be yours in heaven as we taught in the eternal reward series. Not everyone's eternity is going to be the exact same. Some will have greater capacity than others. And what will determine the capacity? Provided you suffer with Christ. Do you see that, brothers and sisters? So what's the outcome? Verse 18. So Paul says, so I consider. Oh, I love that word, consider. 
I link that word considered to 1 Peter 2, 19. Be mindful of God. Consider the work that God is doing in your life. Consider that God's not thrown you to the wolves. Consider that God's not pushed you out into the darkness. Consider that God has not left you. He's not forsaken you. Consider that God is walking you along the right paths. Even though the paths may be marked with suffering. It's good for you. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to what eternity will be. Do you see that? Paul, (laughs) what words? For I consider that the sufferings of this present time. Friends, do you realize This is why the idea of suffering in the will of God is so precious to me. Do you realize that you and I will enjoy an entire eternity of no suffering? So why do you suppose that God wills it that at times and for seasons we face suffering here? Do you know why? Because they are preparing us. 2 Corinthians 4. They are preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. Paul says these light and these momentary afflictions, which he says in Romans 18, for I consider they're not even worth comparing to what awaits us in eternity. Can we receive that today? Why do I want to be mindful of God in my sufferings? Why do you suppose God walks us through seasons of sufferings? Because of verse 20. Look at verse 20. When you and I face seasons of suffering, don't miss this now. It is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Look at the last of verse 20. It is a gracious thing in the sight of God. And what do verses 21 to 25 go on to teach? It teaches that Christ suffered well. It teaches that Christ entrusted himself to God Almighty, to the Father. It teaches that Christ is our example and he left us an example to follow in his steps. Do you see it there? Verse 21, verse 24. Christ is our example Now we go back to 1 Peter 4, 1. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, so we see he's the example. We see that we follow in his footsteps. We see that he entrusted himself to God. We see that he suffered well. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Why? Because the days that we suffer on this earth, the seasons, the times, They are uniquely preparing us for an eternal weight of glory where we will never, ever, ever, ever suffer again. So you know what I think God would do? 
I think God would say, Chad, if you will never suffer again for all of eternity, then don't waste this short amount of time where I'm doing a work in you that will be displayed for all of eternity. You and I can glorify God unlike any other creation in all of the universe, unlike any other creature, unlike any other angel, you and I can uniquely glorify God by suffering well. And it will glorify Him forever and ever and ever and ever. That's why I say we can do it well. So He says in the time that you have remaining, you know, it's interesting. Look at verse 2. It's interesting that those who really understand eternity, they make the best use of time on the earth. Those who never think about heaven, those who never think about eternity, they never think about eternal things, they don't value eternal things. Oh, how dull and earthy their minds are. How dull and earthy their affections are. When we sing songs like this morning, that great revelation song, scenes of heaven, it stirs my affections for Jesus. I don't want my mind, I don't want my thinking, I don't want my affections to be dull and earthy. I want them to be heavenward, Godward. Set your affections on things above where Christ is, not on things on the earth. Scripture says, Colossians 3. So the time that you have remaining. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about how many years you have left on this earth, perhaps? You ever think about how short of a window of time that that is? I had an interesting conversation with Sadie coming home from Orlando. She was telling me about my iPhone has 64 gigs. Her new iPhone has one TB. I said, you're kidding. In your phone? I remember when a one TB tower was like $200. And I was thinking about that phone. I was thinking about how, you know, how many of you are like us? You just use your phones for everything. I wish it wasn't true. I wish it wasn't so. Ugh, it gets on my nerves. But I do everything with my phone. I text, I email, I set my alarms, I set reminders, I do my math, I listen to my books. I do everything with it. It's such an integral part of my life. But you, but you know what's fascinating is if you take that one TB iPhone that Sadie has and you maximize it with all the data, will it weigh any more or will it weigh any less? No. Because the shell of that phone is not the real phone. What's the real phone? It's the software in the phone. Do you know what the real you is? It's not your flesh. It's not the hardware. It's the software. It's the soul. You are created in the very image of God, which means you are eternal and you 
will never die. You will spend eternity somewhere because you're created in the very image of God. So in the time that you have remaining, do you think about that? What am I going to do with the time that I have remaining? Am I going to glorify God or not? Am I going to live for the passions of the flesh? Or am I going to live according to the will of God? And what centers you to the will of God better than anything else? Suffering. Because what does suffering do in your life? It ceases sin. Do you see the logic of Scripture? Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Don't despise it. Have you signed up for my weekly devotional email? Every Tuesday, I send out a devotion that will help you grow in your faith. Go to my website, awakentograce.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and when you sign up and submit your email, you'll get a direct message from me every Tuesday. Sign up today at awakentograce.com.